Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. China and its Gulf partners appear to be engaged in a game of shadow boxing. At stake is the future of Gulf security and the management of differences between the region's conservative monarchies and revolutionary Iran. With governments passing to one another official subtle messages, intellectuals and journalists are the ones out front in the ring. In the latest round, Baria Alamudin, a Lebanese journalist who regularly writes columns for Saudi media, has cast subtlety aside. Mrs. Alamudin warned, in strong and rare anti-Chinese language, that China was being lured to financially bankrupt Lebanon by Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed Lebanese Shiite militia. Writing in Arab News, Saudi Arabia's primary English-language newspaper, Mrs. Alamudin suggested that the Lebanese Shiite militia's seduction of China was occurring against the backdrop of a potential massive 25-year cooperation agreement between the People's Republic and Iran. Her tirade was as much a response to reports of the alleged landmark agreement as it was to a declaration by Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah that China was willing to invest in Lebanon's infrastructure. Chinese companies are ready to inject money into this country. If this happened, it would bring money to the country, bring investment, create job opportunities, allow heavy transport, and so on, Mr. Nasrallah said. In a state-controlled media outlet in a country that has studiously backed some of the worst manifestations of Chinese autocratic behavior, including the brutal crackdown on Uyghur Turkic Muslims in Xinjiang and the repression of democratic expression and dissidents, Mrs. Alamudin did not mince words. Chinese business and investment are welcome. But Beijing has a record of partnering with avaricious African and Asian elites, willing to sell out their sovereignty. Chinese diplomacy is ruthless, mercantile, and self-interested, with none of the West's lip service to human rights, rule of law, or cultural interchange, Mrs. Alamudin charged. She quoted a Middle East expert of a conservative U.S. think tank as warning that vultures from Beijing are circling, eyeing tasty infrastructure assets like ports and airports, as well as soft power influence through Lebanon's universities. She went on to assert that witnessing how dissident voices have been mercilessly throttled in Hong Kong, Tibet, and Xinjiang Lebanese citizens are justifiably fearful that their freedoms and culture would be crushed under heavy-handed authoritarian Chinese and Iranian dominance amid the miserable, monolithic atmosphere Hezbollah seeks to impose. Mrs. Alamudin's outburst implicitly recognized that China was signaling Gulf states at a time of heightened uncertainty about the reliability of the United States' regional defense umbrella that they need to reduce tensions with Iran if the People's Republic were to engage 
in helping create a new regional security architecture. Expressing concern about last month's U.S. decision to withdraw troops from Europe a day after Mrs. Alamudin's stark criticism of China, Gulf Cooperation Council GCC Assistant Secretary General for Political Affairs and Negotiation, Abdelaziz Alulwesheg, suggested that a more systematic framework with organic feedback to the leadership and decision makers was needed for U.S. Gulf security discussions. The GCC groups the Gulf's six monarchies, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, and Bahrain. China has been subtly pressuring Gulf states through academic and Communist Party publications and public statements by prominent scholars with close ties to the government in Beijing. Its messaging has primarily targeted Saudi Arabia, the one Gulf state that has so far refrained from engaging in any gestures toward Iran that could facilitate a dialing down of tension. A recent article in a renowned Chinese journal laid out the principles on which China is willing to break with its long-standing foreign and defense policy principles to engage in Gulf security. The principles included seeking common ground while reserving differences, a formula that implies conflict management rather than conflict resolution. Most Gulf states have extended a helping hand to Iran, the Middle East country most hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. The Iranian and UAE foreign ministers agreed in a recent video call to cooperate during the health crisis. We agreed to continue dialogue on the theme of hope, especially as the region faces tough challenges and tougher choices ahead, said Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif on Twitter. UAE officials said earlier that there were limits to a reduction of tensions. They said a real detente would only be possible once Iran changed its behavior, meaning a halt to support for proxies in Lebanon, Iraq, and Yemen, and a surrender of its nuclear ambitions. The Chinese Gulf shadow boxing takes place against the slow-moving and seemingly troubled U.S. and Chinese-backed Pakistani effort to mediate between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan said this week, without providing details, that he had averted a military confrontation between the two Gulf powers. He said mediation was making progress, but slowly. Mrs. Alamudin's column, coupled with Saudi Arabia's refusal to capitalize on the pandemic as a way to reduce tensions, suggests that Saudi Arabia has yet to fully embrace Mr. Khan's efforts. Mr. Khan's efforts are likely to be further complicated by the disclosure last month by Pakistani law enforcement that a Baloch gang leader who was detained in 2017 had confessed to giving secret information and sketches regarding army installations and officials to foreign agents believed to be Iranians. It was not immediately clear what prompted the disclosure. Pakistan has long asserted that Iran and India have lent support to Baloch nationalist militants responsible for multiple attacks on military 
and Chinese targets in the South Asian state. The Iran-Pakistan border issues are mainly affected by the sectarian rivalry between Iran and Saudi Arabia. For Pakistan, this is a costly and difficult diplomatic situation at this time, said Michael Kugelman, a South Asia scholar at the Wilson Center in Washington. Pakistan has a vested interest in helping dial down Saudi Iranian tensions. It takes, however, two to tango, and a mediator whose efforts are not burdened by bilateral issues of his own with any of the parties. To move the pendulum, more will be required than a regional go-between or subtle nudging. With the U.S. likely to refrain from doing the heavy lifting, that task may be left to China. If Mrs. Alamuddin is an indication, China is already discovering that changing the paradigm in the Middle East is easier said than done. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Best wishes and take care in these trying times.